What a privilege to be here. Thank you for being in Sunday school. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. The book of Philippians, chapter 4. Now, this is a passage of Scripture that I love to preach from because I need to hear it myself. I preach to myself. I want to tell you something that is an amazing statement of faith. If you're only going to hear one thing, please listen to this. It is a sin if you're a child of God. How many of you are a child of God? You know the Lord is your Savior. It is a sin to worry. It's a sin to worry. Now, let me tell you my problem with that statement. How many of you are aware it's a sin to worry? It's a sin to worry. God forbids it. Here's my problem with that statement. I worry about what I'm worried about and that I worry because I'm worried about what I'm worried about. How many of you understand what I just said, right? I'm like a pup chasing its tail. How in the world do I get delivered from worry? I don't want to disappoint the Lord. I sure don't want to sin. And yet we try to overcome it ourselves. Now the world has no way they can deal with worry. That's why drugs, alcohol, they need something to dull themselves to it. Taking measures to try to divert themselves, expensive vacations and toys, anything you can to not have to deal with what you're worried about. But the child of God has a divine deliverance. And I want you to mark this divine deliverance. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4. God says if you and I will do four things, he will deliver us from worry. Divinely delivers. It's not something you can do in and of yourself. It requires the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The reason I started preaching from this so much lately is because after this last election in America, I never saw God's people more down in the dumps. I never saw them more worried. Listen, nothing should make God's people worry. Now, we're dealing with things in our ministry every single day that are horrific. Uh, we're dealing with issues that I didn't think my grandchildren would ever see in their lifetime. And here I am dealing with them in my lifetime. If you listen to our phones, you'd say, boy, the wheels are coming off our country. That's a true statement. But that doesn't excuse God's people from worry because we have a divine ability to not worry. I want you to get ready to mark these things down. We're going to be in Ephesians 4, each and every one of them. Remember, whatever God commands, he gives you a divine ability filled with all might according to his glorious power. That's what the scripture says, a divine ability to do everything he asks us to do. And by the way, uh, how many of you have children? Hold your hand up. How many of you know kids are God's little spies, right? And, and grandchildren are super spies. If we went to your kids and said, does mom ever worry? Would the kids say, no, of course not. That'd be a sin. Does dad ever worry? No, no, no. That, that'd be a sin. The world's not watching. They, they do watch. Nothing but like the kids watch. And boy, you want to say a good testimony being delivered from worry and fear. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start right at verse 4. It gives the first command. You want to be delivered from worry? Here it is. Rejoice. Ephesians 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, 
would you underscore the word always found there? That means always. But not just when things are going good, not just when we're happy about things, not just when we have some peace. God says, I want you at all times to be a person who rejoices. Now, I love what the early Christians, when they were under such persecution, used to do. They would come to each other and they'd say, I trust I find you rejoicing. They were facing death. They were facing slaughter. And yet they realized they were commanded by God to rejoice. Uh, this is nothing anyone will do by accident. If you would do this by accident, God wouldn't have to command it. You won't one morning wake up and say, well, can you imagine it must have happened in the night and now I'm a rejoicing Christian. No, it is a decision. And every child of God has to decide to obey this. And please note, he repeats it twice in the same sentence. Rejoice always. And again I say rejoice. Now why would God repeat that? He's not trying to lengthen the sentence. What he's trying to do is emphasize the command. Can you say I've lived one day in my life attempting all day to be rejoicing? Have you ever even tried? One day rejoicing always. Now you know what it means. Rejoice means to restir your joy. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Galatians 5. And God says what I want you to do is get going. Growing up, our family had large family reunions. Uh, they'd be held at my grandparents' farm. There would be hundreds of people there. We'd set out wooden tables all over their yard. And one of the things that I remember about the family reunion is homemade lemonade. Um, we would make it in 55-gallon wooden barrels. And let me tell you how you do homemade lemonade. Each barrel gets hundreds of lemons in it. I mean, you just chop lemons, lemons, lemons. I, I mean, we'd buy burlap bags full of lemons, and you put the lemons in. Then you got to dump sugar in it. Each barrel would get about 75 to 100 pounds of sugar. Oh, yeah. And then you add water. But it had to be fresh spring water. It wasn't tap water. It was fresh spring water. Now, listen, you got water, you got lemons, and you got sugar. But you don't have lemonade. Not until you stir it. We stirred it with wooden canoe paddles. And it would make the most incredible thing. We'd lick the paddle. It tasted so good. Now, when I'd go to those reunions, I'd, lo I'd look at all the people there and I'd say, I don't know who these people are, but if they're my gene pool, I'm sunk, okay? <laughs> but I'll never forget that lemonade. It had to be stirred. Every single person here has to stir their joy. Rejoice. And again I say rejoice. You want to know how good a Christian you are? What does it take to make you not rejoice? That's as good as you are. Well, yeah, but Brother Gibbs, I'm going through a lot. Wait a minute, Paul was writing this from prison. 
He was writing to people who were facing prison and even death. And he said to them, rejoice. How in the world did something like a, an election suck our joy out? How in the world did just life circumstances, and by the way, I don't know what you're going through. Here's what I know. Everybody goes through a lot. I don't know what's in your life. You don't know what's in mine. It was such a privilege this morning to see precious Mrs. McCurdy, how we prayed for this dear lady with what all she's been through. Oh, listen, nothing should take your joy, nothing. Rejoice, and again I say, rejoice. Well, I rejoice, it just doesn't show. Now you're not only not rejoicing, now you're fibbing to boot. You can't hide joy. You can't hide joy. I was in the Orient, and uh, we went to a, in a Chinese home church that was illegal. And if they caught the people there going to church, they killed them. And uh, Dr. Paul Chapel and I were invited to go. We had to go through a maze of different buildings and sewers and things to get there so that at no point could they trace us to get to these people. When we walked in, I'm going to preach first that night, a teenage girl came up to me, a beautiful Chinese teenage girl, and she said, I'm going to sing before you preach. I said, oh, great. She said, would it be okay if I sang twice? I sang twice. I said, sure, you sing all you want. The pastor, they came up to me and said, let me, let me tell you why she's asking. Brother Gibbs, a year ago, they caught her dad going to church and they killed him. They killed him and they dumped his body in front of their house after he'd been tortured mercilessly. A month ago, they caught her mom and brother coming to church and they've killed them. And she knows they're onto her. And she thinks this could be her last service. That's why she wants to sing twice. Whoa. If this was going to be your last service, before some wicked authority killed you, that little girl's face was vibrant with joy. You know what song she sang first? I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to what's the next word? Stay. Would that be your song? I walked out of that service, Brother McCurdy, feeling that tall. I thought, my soul, these children of God here. By the way, would you go to church if you knew they were going to kill you for going? Please bear in mind, we don't go to church because we have a constitution. We go to church because we have a Bible that commands it. It's commanded. Rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. Now, don't read the next three points if you're not going to obey that one because it starts everything in this passage. Rejoice always. And again I say, rejoice. And by the way, the only person who can take your joy away from you is you. Other people, circumstances, they say, Brother Gibbs, you don't know my mother-in-law. 
You don't know my boss. You don't know the people I work with. Listen, the world's full of aggravating people. How many of you figured that out? The world's full of aggravating people. And you know what I've discovered, Brother McCurdy? They all want to know me. That's the problem. Listen, that's not it. Don't let anybody take your joy. Absolutely nobody. Look at the next command. It's found the next verse. Number one, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Verse five, let your moderation be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. You say, well, I'm not quite sure what that means. Oh, this is a powerful verse. You know what your moderation is? That's what's got a hold of you. In these services here today, your shepherd, your pastor, Brother McCurdy, is the moderate. He's in control of everything. If he walked up here and said, Brother Gibbs, thank you very much. Please be seated. I would immediately submit to his authority. And I'd go because he's the moderator. Something has control of you. And you know what God says? I'm commanding you to let everybody know what's got a hold of you. Okay? It doesn't say have God's moderation. Oh, that's for sure. But let your moderation be made known unto all men. When's the last time you went up to people and said, I just want to tell you what's got a hold of my life. I want to tell you what's got a hold of me. That's a command. We get to travel a great deal. And uh, travel can be frustrating. It can be aggravating at times, especially when you get fatigued and aggravated. And I have to be careful. I'm one of these people, when I get aggravated, I get vocal and, and want to say things that no, nobody should say. But God says, I want you to let everybody know what's got a hold of you. Now, can I ask you, have you ever spent a day trying to rejoice about everything? And number two, have you ever spent a day saying, I want everybody to know what has a hold of me. The Lord is at hand. Oh, my. Well, I, I think they just kind of see it. That's not the verse. It says, let your moderation be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I love my wife when she goes shopping. She witnesses to everybody. We'll be standing in line. There's people behind us, people in front of us. And she'll talk to the people in front saying, we just got a few minutes before we check out, but I just got to tell you what's in my life. I just got to share this with you. And then she turns around and gets the people behind us. Well, Brother Gibbs, that, that, that's just not my stick. That's not my thing. No, no, no. This is everybody's thing. Let your moderation be made known. Isn't it funny? We want to send missionaries around the world, and we absolutely should. But we don't witness to our next-door neighbor. We don't witness to the people we brush shoulders with. And God says, I want you to let your moderation be made known unto all men. Now, these are two incredibly simple points. And this is leading up to real peace from God. Remember what I said? He gives us the divine ability not to worry. But it starts with number one, rejoicing. And number two, letting everybody know what's got a hold of our life. Uh, when we're in courtrooms and legislatures and dealing with all kinds of people who are often very adversarial, we get the privilege to let them know what's got a hold of us. 
I was in a courtroom one day in Sacramento, California. And uh, this precious man, I just did his funeral, Pastor Royal Blue, and in a very difficult trial. We're midway through the trial. It's in its second week. And the lawyers on the other side came up and said, I got to tell you something. I said, what's that? They said, that man is so hard not to like. I said, what'd you say? He is just hard not to like. And we want to dislike him. But he's hard not to like. And all he tells us is about how the Lord got a hold of him. Oh, listen, that changes everything. Number one, rejoice. Number two, let your moderation be made known unto all men. Look at number three. It's found in the next verse again. Verse six. Starts out with be careful for nothing. Now understand the word care there, would you? Uh, it means worry, it means fear, it means apprehension. Uh, the word has two real meanings in the root if you study the Greek. And, and you want to know this one because it, it makes sense. The word was the word you used when you were choking the life out of something. If you had something that had life in it and you were choking it to death, this is the word you used. Have you ever heard somebody say, this is killing me? How many of you ever heard that? This is killing me. That's this word. You know what God says? I don't want nothing killing you. It also meant to put hooks in something on two sides and tear it apart violently. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm all torn up over this? How many of you all ever heard that one? I'm all torn up. That's this word. God says, be careful for nothing. But then he gives you the third command. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Well, Brother Gibbs, I, I fear when, I pray when I'm afraid and when I'm fearful. That's not what it says. Please note what it says. In everything, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, we're to pray without ceasing. But we kind of like say, well, I don't know, that's not practical. When is the last time you tried to talk to God about everything you were doing that day? Everything. Things you were concerned about, things you weren't concerned about. You know how I think most of us pray? God, I can handle about 80, 90% of it. If you would just kick in with the 20% I can't handle, what a dynamic duo we'd be, you and me. Me handling 80%, you handling 20%. And God says, uh-uh, I don't want that partnership. I want in everything. Right. No, you'll never talk to God about everything by accident again. It's a decision. It's a decision. How many of you know the name Lester Roloff? How many of you remember his name? Brother Roloff would come up to you out of nowhere and he'd say, I trust you're praying, right? That's a fair question. Because we're to be praying about everything. Now, the devil can just get you fenced out on this. You've got to, number one, rejoice always. Number two, you've got to let everybody know what's got a hold of you. It's not just that you're remarkably strong and resilient. The Holy Spirit of God has a hold of you. The Lord is at hand. And then you've got to talk to God about everything. Now, we have a man in our ministry. He's been here to this church. You know him, Brother Jim Coates, a black man. Brother Jim was a pilot in the military for 30 years. 
as every hero and decoration award I get, our country gives twice over, shot down three times. Just an amazing hero. Well, Brother Jim and I were traveling one night. He's a great soul winner. It's about two or three in the morning, and I said, Jim, let, let's eat, let's eat, let's find a spot to eat. I'm hungry. There's nothing I like to do more in the middle of the night than eat, okay? Especially when you're on the road, because nothing healthy is open, okay? I mean, every, every hot dog place is just good stuff. He said, oh, good, good, good. Now, he's driving. I'm just sitting there slumped down in the seat. He said, let's pray, let's pray. I said, let's pray. I said, there's nothing good open, Jim. Just pick a spot. Anything will be fine. He said, oh, Brother Gibbs, you're such a tease. We're supposed to pray about everything, right? I said, yeah, right. Isn't it funny how you and I are comfortable making hundreds of decisions every day we never talked to the Lord one lick about. We never even attempted to. And then we wonder why we're encountering things that we are. God says, I want you in everything by prayer and supplication. Now this is a discipline. But remember, what God commands, God will enable. And if you're anything like me, I'd say, now, Lord, I'm going to talk to you about everything today. And then I find myself, oh, I just ran off without you again. Lord, forgive me. Let me get started again. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, and I have to recycle back. If you want peace, you've got to, number one, rejoice. Number two, you've got to let everybody know what's got a hold of you. Let your moderation be made known unto all men. And then number three, you've got to pray. We prayed. It was an amazing night. It was a sort of a rainy night. It wasn't raining hard, but mist was coming down continually. We pulled off at a gas mart to get some fuel, and we were going to get food inside. And while we were putting the gas in the car, two semis pulled up. And the drivers got out and went walking in the gas mart. And as they're walking past us, Jim said to them, Hey, guys, just one question. If you weren't going to be alive when the sun come up in a couple hours, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And they stopped dead in their tracks. And they said, what would you say, mister? He said, oh, hey, no problem, guys. I just want to know if you weren't going to be alive when the sun come up, are you sure that heaven's your home? The two drivers walked over by us and they said, we drive this road back and forth between Cincinnati and Indianapolis, five nights a week, up and back. And all we do is talk on our CB radios. And tonight, somehow, we got talking about what would happen if we weren't alive when the sun come up. And I got so upset about it, so depressed, I told him, we never stop here, but I was shook. And I said, look, I'm, I'm done talking about this. I don't want to talk about dying. Let's get off here and grab some coffee. So we pull our trucks off here, and we get out, and we're walking in to get the coffee. And you ask us that question, how can that be? Jim said, well, I can tell you how you can know heaven's your home. Jim witnessed to them. One guy got down on his knees in the wet and trusted Christ as his Savior.
You say, well, nothing like that ever happens to me. That's because we get comfortable without talking to the Lord, without asking for divine wisdom. You want this peace that passeth all understanding, number one, you got to rejoice. Number two, you got to be sure you let everybody know what's got a hold of you, what your moderation be made known unto all men. And then number three, you got to start talking to God about everything. Now look at what he says. I love this, verse 7, and the peace of God. Now if you have a marker, underline that in your Bible. And don't confuse these terms, peace of God, and the term peace with God. This was written to Christians, to believers, to people who were heaven-bound. They had made peace with God. The day you got saved, you made peace with God. Nothing can take that away. That's yours for all eternity. You're secure. But to people who have peace with God, that doesn't mean that you have the peace of God. The peace of God is far different. Look at what he says. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said God's going to give you a peace that's going to keep your heart and your mind. Your heart is your emotions. Your mind is your thinking. Oh, Brother Gibbs, I, I've tried to be more stable, but it's like I'm on an emotional roller coaster. God says, I will keep your heart. I try to stop thinking these thoughts. I, God says, I'll keep your mind. This is a promise of God as sure as your salvation. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, this is nothing you can produce. Humanly, it's impossible. It comes from a divine resource through Christ Jesus. Have you got that peace? Have the kids seen that peace in you? Have your friends seen that peace? My staff who runs with me, do they see that peace in me? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I hope I'm wrong about this. But often in wonderful churches, Brother McCurdy, I see little of this peace. Not the peace of God. People who love the Lord, who want to see other people get saved, but they're emotionally on a roller coaster. And they can't stop thinking about all the stuff they're upset about. And by the way, be careful. I don't care which news channel you watch, whether it's Fox or MSNBC or any of them. The people there are all upset and they want you upset. They want you upset about what they're upset about. And you know what God says? I've got a peace. I, I've never seen a news announcer stand up and say, I've got wonderful news for you. You can have the peace of God which passeth all understanding. They know nothing about that. But we should know everything about that. Now, the things that happen in America are heartbreakingly horrific. But that cannot take our peace. Absolutely not. doesn't matter what happens in this land. Our God says, rejoice. Number two, let everybody know what's got a hold of you. Let your moderation be made known. And then talk to me about everything. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And by the way, the word supplicate there means to make it fervent. It means that this is not just a passing whim. 
this is something you are truly talking to the Lord about. In everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto the Lord. And he says, I'll give this peace. But there's one final point, verse 8. Remember, there's four things. You've got to rejoice. You've got to let everybody know what's got a hold of you. You've got to talk to the Lord about everything. And boy, that's a challenge for me. And, and maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, Brother Gibbs, move quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm perfect on all these points. Well, if that's true, would you please pray for me? Because I have to tell you, I find this discipline. By the way, how many of you want the peace of God? How many of you want that? Oh, my. But what kind of person would not want the peace of God? I mean, that, that, if you don't want that, it's like saying, I, I, I'm uncomfortable being miserable. And I'm comfortable making people around me uncomfortable, the people who love me in particular. No, 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 no. We want the peace of God. But you've got to rejoice. You've got to let everybody know what's got a hold of you. And you've got to talk to the Lord about everything. But there's a fourth point, and it's found in the next verse. Finally, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Now, would you underscore lovely? Boy, I use that verse all the time. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The final point is God says, I want you to be careful where you park your mind. Think on these things. Whoa. God says, if it's not lovely, don't you think on that. If it's not pure, if it's not true. Whoa. And the word lovely it is just so easy to understand. Now, we may have to deal with things that are not lovely, but that's not where we park our mind. Now, listen, and I'm done. God created you with two access points. Anybody who wants to reach you knows these. You already know them. God created you with eyes and ears. Anybody who wants to reach you wants you to look at something or listen to something because that's how you get in. That's why the world says, hey, 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 watch this, watch this. Look here, look here, look here. Because if they can get you to look, they're in. That's why they say, hey, hey, listen to this, listen to this. Because if they can get your ears, they're in. Uh, we teach the kids in Sunday school, I'll bet you do hear a little song that says, be careful little ears what you hear. How many of you know that Sunday school song? Your father up above looking down in love. Careful little eyes what you see. You say, oh, that's a great Sunday school song. No, that's a great Christian song. You know what God says? I want you to be careful where you park your eyes and where you park your ears. Think on these things. I promise you in this service, we're doing everything we can to capture your eyes and ears. Everything. Because for God's honor, for God's glory, we want to reach you. We want the Lord to get in. Now you leave here and the world says, hey, listen to this, listen to this. Hey, watch this, watch this. And God says, be careful where you park your eyes. Be careful where you park your ears. I know I've found myself doing this. You're watching something on television, and you say, well, I wish they didn't talk like that. Well, they can't talk like that if you don't listen. Well, I wish they didn't show stuff like that. 
They can't unless you look. Be careful. Don't forfeit the peace of God because you're not careful where you put your eyes, where you put your ears. God says, I want to give you a peace that passeth all understanding. That little girl, that teenage girl, and by the way, within 10 days, she was dead. They brutally tortured her and killed her. Had such a smile, such a peace, such a joy. I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Oh, listen, the peace of God is irreplaceable and it changes everything. But there's four absolute commands to receive it. Number one, you got to rejoice. Number two, by the grace of God, you got to let everybody know what's got a hold of you. Let your moderation be made known unto all men. Number three, you got to talk to God about everything, in everything by prayer and supplication. And then number four, be careful where you park your eyes and ears. Think on these things. Wow. I love to tell the story of my granddad. First TV I ever saw was in his living room. They bought one. Almost nobody had one. And uh, the TV was terrible, just terrible. It was all full of white snow. How many of you remember the white snow televisions? I mean, you couldn't see. The kids today have no idea what, it, what the TVs were like. And we had rabbit ears. They'd make the kids hold the rabbit ears so that they'd get a better picture and, and move them around, yeah. And, and while you'd be holding the rabbit ears, your teeth would be vibrating. We were nuking everybody standing up there. Well, some neighbors had come over. They just wanted to see this thing called the television. And the guy on TV, it was early evening, maybe 7 o'clock. I'll never forget what he said. He said, oh, what the heck. That's what the guy said, oh, what the heck. And my granddad said, what did he say? I said, he said, oh, what the heck. My granddad said, nobody's talking like that in my living room. Turn it off and put it in the barn. You see, we didn't cuss. And we didn't use substitute words to cuss. And I said, Grandpa, he said, put it in the barn. And we did. Your TV doesn't say, oh, what the heck anymore. You wouldn't even pay attention if it did. Be careful where you put your eyes. Be careful where you put your ears. God's got a peace that passeth all understanding. But you've got to rejoice. Number two, you've got to let everybody know what's got a hold of you. Something had a hold of you coming in here today. Number three, you've got to talk to God about everything. And then number four, by God's grace, he says, be careful. Think on these things. When we get to heaven, I've already told the Lord, one of the people I want to be sure I look up is that little teenage girl. 
how she changed my life. Would it be all right if I sang two songs? Have you got that joy? Have you got that peace? The peace of God that passeth all understanding. Bow your heads. Father, what a thrill to know that you have something way beyond anything we can produce. And Father, by your grace, we get to show this world what you can do. Not just in saving them, but what you can do in changing us. Heads are bowed. I may even say, boy, Brother Gibbs, the Lord spoke to my heart this morning. God helping me, I want that peace. If that's true, slip your hand up right now. Slip it high. Father, you see our hands. More importantly, you see our hearts. God, these people don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what they're going through, but it doesn't matter. Be careful for nothing. Not one thing choking the life out of us. Not one thing tearing us up. And you have promised the peace to keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hear our cry. Thank you, thank you for loving us enough to give us the divine resource of peace and joy. I ask this in the name of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's children together said, Amen. God bless you, church.